0: Well good morning, glad to have you here with us this morning and uh, the Tigers, the Kyneton Tigers are the ones that you were having a chat with, wasn't it Ryan? That was the, the t- how the Tigers going this year. Not really good. Okay, so if you want to support the Kite and Tigers, you can do that as well. Good morning. Glad to have you here with us this morning. Brilliant to have the two of you here sharing about an experience that some of you might be going over and visiting Ryan and Susie over in Bangladesh in a year. I so, saw um, that, that place there. Um, that's not special. Can you edit that out on the thing that it goes out for? Um, hit the blank section um, in South Asia um, and visit them in that place in the next year, year and a half And that time as well. I can't believe that just came out, but it just did. So good to be with you this morning. Have you ever gone away on a trip and someone has given you something to take with you? Maybe it's an item of jewellery, uh, maybe a, a, something from home that comes from the vegetation around about a leaf, or, or maybe you've taken a picture. Uh, it's either been given to you or you take it with you. Got that in mind? Extended trip? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we take things with us when we travel for extended periods of time? Maybe a piece of jewellery, a picture of a family member, a loved one. Why do we do that? Well, I think we do it as a way of contact. So that when you're away in those places, there's this remembrance of the people that you know or the place that you've come from, that when you see it, it sparks something in you. There's a connection. And it recalls to mind where you've come from, a bit of who you are, and the people that you know. And all of a sudden, in the places when you... And if you pull that out of will see that it's a reminder that even though you're far away, you're not that far away. I've had all three children in the last... (laughs) Uh, two months away, traveling Europe, and they're being zipping across each other. And I had a daughter um, text us from um, Albania, and she said, I'm okay. A- and I said, we said, what do you mean? Weren't you okay? And she said, no, but I've been off grid for two whole days. Um, and, and, and she couldn't call anyone. One of the benefits we have these days is you can just call someone and say, here I am. But I remember a few years ago when I was away for 10 months from this place, I was given a a picture of Bron and uh, of my family and, and I took it and I placed it on the desk where I was doing some study overseas for a long period of time and in those moments when I felt alone, in those moments where I felt like the weight of the pressure was upon me, in those moments where I felt dislocated from the space I was in, I would find myself looking at those pictures and not just being reminded of home but feeling like I had a connection, feeling like that they were with me even though they weren't really. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about a series called Spirited. What are the activities of God's spirit when someone opens up their heart and minds to Jesus and he fills them with his spirit? What are the kinds of activities that you would see happening in that person's life? One of them we said was that there's this inner reworking, a reordering that takes place. Old characteristics and new ones. Unhealthy ones become healthier. Uh, Unwhole ones become more whole. Uh, There's a a convicting, a a prompting of God's spirit to, to feed you into, just like Ryan was saying there, to nudge you into places that you might not have gone or step out and say something that you hadn't anticipated. Sometimes God's spirit turns up in miraculous ways and, And other times, God's spirit is more like that image or that piece of item, that jewelry or that leaf that's taken that reminds you that even though you might be away or apart from him, that he is actually with you. So today in the time we have remaining, what I'd like to talk about is a profound aspect of God's spirit being at work in someone's life, and that is that. The Spirit has a presence in someone's life that makes a difference. In those seasons of your life where you might find it's difficult, in those seasons of your life where you might find that you feel displaced or that you feel overwhelmed, that God's Spirit is present to you and even more. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to follow with me or maybe a phone device then I'd love you to track with me in John chapter 14. We're going to start just at the very beginning, 13, 14, and then dive into the middle just in the time that we have remaining today. So if you want to follow with me, please do. Um, The the context is this, that in John chapter 13, Jesus has just finished washing the disciples' feet. And he's uh, about to um, go to his uh, execution and the penny hasn't dropped for the disciples. And he's done this profound act of service. He's actually, like a servant, washed their feet. And, and Peter, seeing this happening, one of the followers of Jesus, he, he looks to Jesus and said, there is no way that you are going to wash my feet. And, and Jesus turns to him and says, Peter, if I can't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. To which Peter does what always Peter does. He, just, he goes into the big metaphoric exaggeration and he goes, um, well, well then don't just, I'm so into you, Jesus, don't just wash my feet then, but wash my head and my feet, wash all of me. And you can see the disciples kind of just rolling their eyes and saying, that's Peter just being Peter. Um, we, we can just have our feet kind of washed. And so in that context, Jesus then turns to them and, and he, he sets off something in the midst of them that's going to change their perspective about what's going to happen And it's going to send a shudder through the the little group of disciples. And and Jesus changes his language kind of like a parent to a younger person. And he says this, children, or, or maybe my children. So he's addressing them like an older parental person to a younger. And he says, I'm only with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Judeans that where I was going, they couldn't come. So I'm saying the same to you now. He's speaking of his death and they don't really get it because they think he's about to storm the temple and storm Jerusalem and set up this, this incredible kingdom of God and they're going to be working at his right and his left and they're going to be the new rulers, if you like. And, and so he drops this in the midst of them and he knows it's going to cause shudders to go through the whole group that he has. And so he just wants to address them now just as younger children. And he says this to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. I I, I want you in, in what's about to happen to trust God. And I want you to trust me more than you have ever trusted God or trusted me before. Because you're not going to really understand the events that are going to unfold. I've been telling you, I've been hinting, but you don't really get it. And things are going to get really turbulent in your life. But I want you to know that you need to hold on to God and hold on to me more than you have ever done before. In this room right now, I assume that there are some of you who will be going through seasons of your life in which you need to hear these words really personally for you. That, that, that God might be calling you to trust him in ways that you haven't trusted him before. And, and that there's new seasons and maybe turbulence in your life that you need to hear these words directed to you. In fact, I'm just going to pause right now and I'd like to pray for those of you here in the room and maybe watching online who that is your season right now and that you need to hear these words for you. Trust him. So Jesus, here in this place right now, I want to pause and just ask that for those of us who are going through turbulence right now, that they might know that you love them and you are with them and that you are powerful and that you're calling them to trust deeper. And for some, it feels like scrambling and some we feel like children. Some we feel like we we don't know where to land our feet, but, but you invite us to just place our settled conviction in you. And so right now here in this place, we pause. And for those of us that need to, that you're speaking to even right now, that you would cause us to be deeply settled in you and to trust you in deeper ways that life's circumstances haven't called on us to do before, but now they do, that you might take those of us into deeper places to hear these words, trust God, but trust me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And then he presses on and he says these most profound words, and this is where we're diving into. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. I love the way in which this is phrased because Jesus, in this moment where he's talking to them as children, he asks them a profoundly relational question. He doesn't ask them, Do you believe in me? He doesn't ask them, Do you respect me? He doesn't ask, have you seen all the things I've been doing over the last three and a half years that you've followed me? He just simply asks a deeply intimate relational question and he says, do you love me? Apparently, Jesus figures that if you were to answer that question deeply from the internal part of your life and say, yes, I love you, then that would have a shift in your life And it wouldn't be that you have to do things for Jesus, it would be that you want to do things because you've made that internal shift. If you capture the heart, the hands follow. One of the greatest lies in opening up your life to God is that you have to become respectable before he will accept you. Or that you have to do something in order to actually get enough belief, figure him all out. Uh, Or to have your your slate white clean and and get yourself perfect before you come to know God? No. Most profoundly, no. He asks a a very deeply relational question that is just simply this. Do you love me? And and so from that place, if you like, everything else flows. It's like a, a child... When they're growing up in a home, they learn all the things from their parents uh, or their their parent, whoever's looking after them, about the boundary setting. And the parent's supposed to instill in them what's up and down, right and left, you know, what's good and bad and what's right for for them to to grow up into, if you like, know the boundaries in their life that are, are good for them. But then when they get to an age where they graduate, maybe leave home, get a job, that has to change And shift, they have to graduate to a new kind of relationship to their parent. That goes something like, I understand why you had that boundary set over me, and I used to see it as imposing, but now I kind of see it that you cared for me. And as a result of that, now I'm still your child, but now there's a friendship that shifts. And Jesus is inviting them to graduate to a new kind of friendship, one that's based upon love. And then he says this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. This word is variously interpreted. It could be comforter. It could be alongsider, It could be encourager. All of those. Helper. He says, I'm going to send this person to you and he's going to be with you forever. One of the words for this is also called advocate. An advocate. Have you ever had someone who advocates for you, who has advocated for you? An advocator is someone who goes in to bat for you when you didn't ask them. Have you ever had someone go in to bat for you over something that you never asked them, but they did it because they felt stirred to do it? A number of years ago, I was digging in my front yard and right next to the footpath, and as I dug down, no, I didn't dial before I dug. I, I just dug and because it's really nice digging holes at our place. I've dug holes for 20 years. And uh, as I dug down, I came across this, this wire, this cord. this it had sort of black stuff around it. And I kind of, as I was picking my way down, I picked this black line. And um, I cut it in half and there was some copper stuff on the inside. Um, <laughs> And I sort of just went, oh, that's interesting, and kind of covered it up. I won't dig there again, ever. Right? <laughs> and then probably, I don't know, maybe a year after that, we actually uh, changed mobile phone and phone you know, companies. And that's um, funny, because when I changed over to Telstra, we weren't getting any Telstra feed to the home. Um, and so I, I called and I said, We've, we're joined up with you, but we're not getting anything from you. And of course, they've got this 24-hour cycle now that they have to send people out. So they sent a team out, um, maybe one person, and, and they had a car and they turned up one day and, and they did a little bit of digging and um, then they fixed the problem. And then they left this envelope in my letterbox. And the envelope um, had an invoice in it and the invoice said, Congratulations! We have just fixed your phone line, um, and we have done uh, some uh, some time, an hour and a half, and we have excavated, and and we have used parts, and that comes to about two thousand or four thousand dollars, right, in that moment. And I remember sharing that on a Sunday morning here, right. Um, because what I did after I saw that, I went, ouch, like, ouch. Um, and, and I called someone up who was an ex-line person. I said, well, what are we talking about parts here? And they said, oh, about 42 cents. Oh, I said, oh, okay, that's interesting. And I said, they said excavation. I dug the whole thing and it was less than 30 centimetres under and you could have pushed it aside with your hand. I'm thinking like backhoe excavation or a big dumper. No, 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 just shifting it with the hand. And then an hour and a half worth was two to $4,000. And someone here was Work for Telstra. How good is that? And they heard what I was saying at the front and they said, that is not good. I'm going to advocate for Troy. And so they did just off their own bat. So every time I have a problem, I'm going to bring it here, right? <laughs> and I hope that you work for every company in the world so it will work well for me. That's called manipulation and coercion. But, um, and then I received a call from someone from Tasmania out of the blue and they said, hi, I'm such and such as friend-ish Um, I'm here to fix the problem. I said, that's great. Um, He said, let's just call it equal if we go (laughs) 50-50. And so I did. I buckled. Um, Paid the amount and there it was. An advocate, though, is someone who works for you. And Jesus is saying on a long-winded way that that is what God's spirit is going to be like in your lives. He's going to advocate for you. To the Father. He's going to comfort you in ways that words can't. He's going to encourage you when you feel down. And he will be with you forever. And so Jesus goes on, he says, This other helper is the spirit of truth. The world can't receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he lives with you and will be in you, not just around you above you or below you. He will be with you in a proximal way in your life that nothing else will quite be like when you come to know me. And that's what my spirit will do. You see, he calls it the spirit of truth because when the spirit of truth comes into someone's life, he will start to correct some of your thinking about who God is. He will take lies that you've believed about God and believed and he will challenge them. He will take the things that are of truth about Jesus and he will prompt them, reveal to them. You might have heard a song and you're in a desperate situation and you don't know what to do, but this song will just appear in your head and the words of that will resonate deep. There might be a passage from the Bible that you haven't remembered for a long time, but it will just kind of come to mind and you go, that's a truth that I need to hear right now in the situation I'm in, because that's what the Spirit does, speaks truthfully about who God is, about who Jesus is, and about who you are too. And then he goes on and he says this, I'm not going to leave you bereft, I'm coming to you not long from now, the world won't see me anymore because I will die, but you will see me when I rise again because I live, you will live too. This is not the end. It will feel like it when I'm gone for for just that short period of time, but I will rise again and things will change. And you won't understand it now, but you will then. I want you to trust me. This word bereft is also known as orphaned. He says, like a parent talking to children now, he says, I'm not going to leave you bereft or orphaned. I'm going to send my helper and he will be with you. And it will be like, I am with you. Many years ago, I discovered when I went to my granddad's funeral that there was a whole bunch of other family members there that I'd never met. I said, who are you? They said, who are you? And they're about his age in their 70s. And I said, we're we're the other side of your granddad's family. I had never heard about them before. Met them at the funeral. And as I did a bit of digging, which was hard, discovered that my granddad had been cast between family members, aunties, uncles, all of his life, until he got to a stage where he said, enough is enough, I'm drawing a line in the sand. I might have been orphaned, but I'm going to start again. And he did. And I'm the recipient of that. And so is my family. of starting again. And Jesus said, I want you to know that you're not going to be bereft. I'm not going to be orphaned. I'm going to come and be with you. And then he says, on that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. If there's one thing that Jesus wanted to impress upon them, is this intimacy of language. It just, just it can't capture the depth of what he's trying to say. It's as though he's saying that the right hand of the Father, that is the right hand of the Spirit, um, the right hand of the Son and the left hand of the Spirit wants to reach out to you and draw you in close to be with my Father. And that's what I am doing and that's what my Spirit will do. It will reach out to you and draw you in and welcome you home and that if you know me, you'll know the Father. If you know the Spirit, you'll know the Father because I won't leave you alone. And then he presses on and he says these words, but the help of the Holy Spirit, the the one the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and he will bring back to your mind everything that I've said to you because that's what he's like and then he finishes with these words he says i'm leaving you peace i'm giving you my own peace i don't give gifts in the way the world does don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be fearful how does the world give gifts the world gives gifts like this don't they you give someone a gift and they feel obliged to you to give something in return, yeah? Well, in that ancient world, if you gave a gift, it set up sort of these lines of honor, and if you like relational, that there was obligations and attachments involved. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a gift that's not like the world gives. I'm going to give it without strings attached. I'm going to give you a gift of my Holy Spirit that's going to be a helper with you and it can be present with you forever. And it's not like you have to kind of barter me back in any way, shape or form. I'm going to give you this gift and the greatest part of that is it's going to leave you with a sense of peace. There will be times when Ryan and Susie are away where they're going to need to experience God's peace. That even though they're away from other people and loved ones, there'll be time where the pressures will be hard. They're trying to work out language. They're trying to get everything together in their lives and they're going to have difficulties in the relationships over there in terms of just making it all work. It's so different and there'll be times in which they will call out and say, God, could we just know your peace in the midst of this? There'll be situations you're in this week and and maybe you're in the midst of where you say, God, things seem to be really complicated in my life right now and what I'd like more than anything else is just to know that you are with me even in the midst of this that I would experience your peace. And the peace that Jesus gives is not like anything this world can give because it's the peace that says I will overcome all things and I am in charge of this world and I want you to know that when you are with me you are not lost to me. And I want you to trust me when you can't see ahead. I want you to follow me when it seems really difficult. But what I can give that the world can't give is a deep, settled conviction that you are in my hands and my Father has you, come what may. You could be here this morning and you've got 10 million bucks and you are still not at peace. You could be here this morning and you've got all the toys around you. You've built up walls to make you feel secure, but you still don't have security. But you will only find that in the one who has overcome death, has defeated all sin and evil and wrong and has all authority in heaven on earth. That is the only place where you will find the peace that you hunger and look for in life that nothing else will satisfy. It's in him, the one who has overcome All things for you. And so he says this to them, I haven't got much more to say, but the ruler of the world is coming and he has nothing to do with me because he has no part of me at all. The unseen world has no part of me at all. And then he says this, but all this is happening so that the world may know that I love the Father and that I'm going... I'm doing what the Father has told me to do. You see, Jesus leaves them, his children, with these profound words. All these things are happening, and I'm doing them, because when I look at my Father and see what he's doing, and I know that the love he has for the world, I'm doing my part Deeply to break all of the powers, so that you might know Him, that through me you might know the Father. And we'll send the Son into your life to be with you forever. Forever. Until the time closes and a new heavens and earth meets and then you will see him, the Father, face to face and he might say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome into the rest that you've felt but now you will experience in full in a new body, in a new heavens, in a new earth. And in the meantime, when my presence is in you, It's not just for you. It's for the world. So that wherever you are, you might shine me. God's presence. God's presence. So I'm going to pray now. You've heard about God's presence. I wonder if you might feel God's presence here. If you follow God for many years, and this is a reminder for you of his presence in your life. I'm going to pray that if you give permission that there would be a greater fullness and realization of God's presence and indwelling in your life. In your workspaces, in your schooling spaces, in your community spaces some of you to stand up and be more courageous, for some who have been more silent to be more overt, for some of you who have been challenged severely to hold on and know God's peace right where you are, here in this place. Would you like that? I'm going to pray right now. If that's you, then I just invite you to open your hands up where you are. And I'm going to pray that that might be real for you today here. Loving God, from where you dwell in your heavens, which is not far away, but so very close, I ask that you might, through the work of your spirit in people's lives, Holy Spirit, that you might, your presence might be manifest even more so. That those who have opened up their hearts and minds to Jesus and have the Spirit of God might experience you, Holy Spirit, to encourage, to comfort, to come alongside, to advocate. Here in this place right now, and if you haven't opened up your heart to God before, but you go, I would like to know God's Spirit, and I, then I would just simply ask you to, to call out to Jesus where you are now and say, Jesus, would you come fill me with your Spirit? Jesus, would you come and fill me, fill us with your Spirit? ask these things in your name Amen If you have heard and felt the nudge of God here this morning, then I would invite you to trust him, to trust him, to trust him and follow him where he bids you go Why don't we stand together celebrate God's goodness in this place.